Amazing. Took me back to Rwanda days. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we're going to just a very short passage this morning from the Word of God, and it's Luke chapter 11, verse 37 to 41. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now, you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. Amen. It's my privilege to welcome, or give him his full title, Dr. Callum Henderson, who's director of what was Comfort Rwanda, which is now Comfort International. Um, as most of you know, um, maybe some of you don't know me, I'm Helen, and I first went out to Rwanda eight years ago um, to meet up with Callum, and that has continued. So we've done quite a lot of work here with friends, family, and the congregation to just keep our fundraising things going. So. Welcome Callum and of course Izzy and I'd invite Callum just to come up and I'll just say a short word of prayer. So let's pray. Father God we, we give you Callum this morning. We give you him in his entirety. We ask that you would bless everything that comes out of his mouth this morning Father and that he would be a powerhouse for you. Speak your name and that us sitting here this morning would be recipient of everything he says. Minds would be opened, hearts would be opened, and eyes would be opened. We pray a blessing upon Callum and all the work that he does. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's, it's great to be with you um, today. It's a real joy uh, to be back with the church, uh, to see you in person, and um, and, and really just, I think, to say, to say a big, big thank you to you um, for all your, your prayers and your support over the last couple of years. What I want to do this morning is just to share a little bit of the Word of God, and then I'll uh, spend some time talking a little bit about the work that we've been doing. I think really, as, as never before in, in my lifetime, I think there is a real challenge on the Church of Christ as to how we witness to the world. In, in this generation, in this time? How do, we, how do we witness to the resurrection of Jesus in such an environment of unbelief, in such an environment of hedonism, in such an environment of moral sin and moral relativism? There's a real challenge on us in the church. Uh, when, when I, Izzy and myself are showing our age in the things we're saying today, but when I was, a, when I was, a, when I was young, when I first got saved, people would do lots of open airs in the streets and um, people would stop and people would listen. You would chat doors and people would say, come in. And, uh, but today there's a real challenge upon the church. And I was speaking with Izzy the other day and we were saying, actually, it seems like it's all new, but it's not that different to the days of Jesus. And it's not that different to the days of the early church because in those days there was also a society that believed in the supernatural but would not accept the uniqueness and the demands of Jesus. It was an age when, because of the Roman Empire, 
there was a time of conspicuous consumption amongst the people. And it was a time when the desires of the fallen human nature were met in that society unhesitatingly. And uh, there was lots and lots of immorality. So what we're dealing with today is not that different to what they were dealing with in the days of Jesus. So I believe that then as now, the power of a community of people who care for the poor is a biblically based weapon of God to manifest the gospel of Jesus Christ and to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And I'd like to spend a few minutes just looking at that this morning from the writing of, of Luke. Because the thing about Luke is that Luke can take us right through from before the birth of Jesus, right through to the explosive growth of the early church and the, 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 the power of the gospel uh, reaching so many different nations. And you first meet the issue of the poor and the hungry and the broken in, in Luke's writings when you come to, to Mary's song uh, in, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 53. Now, I'm going to run through quite a lot of scriptures this morning, so you're welcome to turn if you want, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll run through them quite, quite quickly. And so, in, in Luke chapter 1, when, um, when, when Mary gives her song of praise to the Lord, verses 51 to 53, he says, He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart, brought down the rulers from their thrones, and exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. What's interesting there is that um, Mary is actually quoting from Psalm 107. And in Psalm 107, it talks about he has filled the hungry soul. And yet when Luke is talking about it, he's, he talks also about just filling the hungry in a physical sense as well. Luke is saying that there is a spiritual hunger and there is a physical hunger and that God wants to fill uh, both of those. And then you notice in, in Luke, in chapter 3, just the, the very next chapter from that, chapter 3 and verse, verse 10 to 11, when John the Baptist is the forerunner of Jesus and he is preparing the way. That was the task of John the Baptist. He's preparing the way for Jesus to bring the kingdom. And in Luke chapter 3, the crowds were questioning him, saying, what shall we do? And he would answer and say to them, the man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and he who has food is to do likewise. That was the preparation for the coming of Jesus. And then again, in the next chapter, we're not going to go through all the chapters of Luke, but in the, in the very next chapter, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, when Jesus arrives on the scene, so we see it from Mary as, 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 a pre, as a prequel to Jesus. We see it in John the Baptist as the forerunner. We see it in Jesus himself when he arrives on the scene. His very first sermon, John, in Luke 4.18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. We know, of course, that that again applies to both the spiritual and, and the physical. But what we realize is at the very forefront of the thinking of Jesus in terms of his message and his work, he sees the poor and he knows that he is sent to minister to the poor. And right through the Gospel of Luke, you see this lifting up of the poor and of the broken and of the needy. And it's central to the message and to the ministry of Jesus. 
But there are a few key moments when, when Jesus tackles the issue of caring for the poor directly. And in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is in the, the home of a, a Pharisee. And uh, the Pharisee is really concerned because Jesus hasn't washed his hands properly. I, I really like Jesus. Uh, I, I, think that's, I, th I think the idea that cleanliness is next to godliness has always been a worry for me until I read that, that, that passage. But anyway, Jesus hasn't washed his hands properly. And so the Pharisee's talking to him about that. And, and um, Luke 11, Jesus Jesus turns to the Pharisee and um, he says, you Pharisees clean, it was, the, it was the, the verses that we read, you clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside of you, you're full of robbery and wickedness. You foolish ones, did he, did not he who made the outside make the inside also give that which is within his charity and then all things are clean for you. And when he says, I think the, the translation that you use, give that which is in as alms, this translation's charity, the, the actual word, um, is, a, is a word that means acts of compassion. It comes from the Greek for mercy, for compassion. And, and it means an act of compassion to, to the broken and to the needy. So it's often translated as alms or charity or acts of compassion or whatever. But the the issue is, it was any act of mercy, any act of compassion that was to the broken and to the needy. And note what Jesus says. He says, the problem is inside. It's like what he was saying about the cup and the, the outside, the mugs, the outside and the inside. The, the outside's all different, but it's what's in the inside that matters. And Jesus is saying the problem is the problem of the heart. And three times, just in those few verses, Jesus refers to what is inside and he's saying it's a soft heart that God is looking for. It's a soft heart that catches the compassion of God for the broken and for the needy. It's a soft heart that catches the compassion of God and engages with their need. And, and notice then, he says, if you do that, then all things are clean for you. What he's saying is, is that there's something inside our heart that catches the compassion of God. And in the way that compassion is poured out of us, then our lives are clean and are godly because we're not blind to the need round about us. And then in the, in the next chapter, in chapter 12 and verse uh, 33, we, we find the, 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 the disciples are worrying um, about about their belongings and this and that. And Jesus says to them, sell your possessions and give to charity. It's the same word again, elemosunon. Give to charity, acts of compassion, acts of pity, acts of mercy. Make yourselves money belts that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven. And then again, two chapters later in, Acts, in, in, in Luke chapter 14 and in verse 33, he says, not one of you can be a disciple who does not give up all his possessions. And then again in chapter 18 and verse 22, when we have the rich young ruler, in verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all you possess, distribute to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now, I don't want to get drawn into a debate about the extent or the practicalities of um, selling and giving up uh, everything that we have. It's a challenge to me. I know it will be a challenge um, to everybody and I don't want to get into a debate about what that exactly 
means. But what I do want to do is to absolutely emphasize the clarity of Jesus that radical acts of mercy, that radical provision for the poor out of a heart of compassion is fundamental if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're not, we're not talking about here about some kind of side issue, but we're actually talking, Jesus is talking about what does it actually mean to be someone who picks up their cross and follows me? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And to give from a merciful heart to those in need is the path of true discipleship. And then Luke continues in, in the book of Acts where he left off in the gospel and we find the church, we find the community of believers that have been formed to follow Jesus. They're fired up to take the gospel to, to, to the world. There are multiple supernatural signs and wonders taking place. There are thousands of people coming to Christ. The fire of God is burning among them. But in, but in Acts chapter 2 in verses 44 to 45, we find out that they haven't forgotten the teaching of Jesus. And it says, all those who had believed were together and had all things in common and began selling their property and possessions and sharing them with all as anyone might have need. It looks suspiciously like what Jesus taught them to do. And the result is in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31... It, 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 in Acts chapter, sorry, in Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 45, it says that, that not any were in need. And so the result is in, in Acts 43 and in, in 5 to 11, we find that the very building that they are praying in is, has been shaken by the Holy Spirit. There's great power in evangelism. It says that abundant grace was upon them but there was not one of them that was in need because they were engaged in those acts of compassion. So it's the outworking of the heart of mercy and the outworking of the heart of compassion. It's a, an alternative lifestyle that Jesus taught us to live. And then in Acts chapter 6 and verses 1 to 7, we have the problem of the, the widows, some of the widows, different groups of widows competing claims for those acts of mercy. And there's a problem about where does the support of the church go because some people wanted it to go here and some people wanted it to go there. And so they chose their, their very best people to deal with the issue of how you tackle that problem of meeting the needs of the poor. And then in chapter 9, you remember when Peter comes um, and he, he, he raises the, the, the woman Tabitha from the dead. And, Peter, and when Peter raises her from the dead, Luke tells us that this woman was abounding in deeds of kindness and charity. Same word. She was abounding. This woman, Tabitha, she was abounding in deeds of kindness and elumusunon. And the help for the poor from a heart of mercy. And what we see is that the church has taken on board this whole calling of Jesus it's a response in Tabitha to a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And you notice that again and again in the Word of God. In chapter 10, when God calls Peter to minister to Cornelius, in verses 4 and in verses 31, it says a very interesting thing. God says an, an interesting thing. He says to Cornelius, your prayers and your elumisunon. Your prayers 
and your acts of compassion for the poor have reached God. And so Cornelius became the first person that we read about in the Bible as a Gentile to get saved, not because of his good works, but God saw something in his acts of compassion and mercy and his prayers that reached up to heaven and moved the heart of God so that God chose Cornelius as the first Gentile to get saved. In Luke 11, and in, in Acts 11, and Luke's fairly harping on about this. In, in, in Acts chapter 11, we have Agabus. Agabus arrives on the scene. He's a prophet of God. And he's prophesying about a famine. And it tells us that the Antioch Christians sent a contribution for the brethren in Judea. And you, you continue to find it throughout the book of Acts. We don't have time to, to, to keep reading all the instances. But what you see is that this Elumasunon, this acts of compassion, the, the, these merciful acts towards the poor, it's breaking out wherever there's need. It's occupying the leadership of the church. It's instructed in those freshly penned epistles that Paul's writing. Its compassion is ascending to God. Its outcomes are clothing the poor. They're feeding the hungry. But most of all, they're manifesting Jesus. And that's what we're called to do to the world. And I want to, I want to finish just on, on, on this with just two simple points. First one is it starts with the local church sharing among themselves. It spreads throughout the church as deeds of kindness and of charity. It grows into one church at Antioch sending help to another church in Judea. And then it becomes this international collection of support by Paul for the church in the most vulnerable locations. So it was not limited in its operation. Wherever God directed, it responded. Whether that was the widow on your doorstep or whether it was the hungry orphan on the other side of the world, the issue was not the location. The issue was where is God directing the acts of compassion to come from our heart? And the second thing is that it's important to see it as part of a broader demonstration of the kingdom of God, where the gospel is preached and the sick are healed and the power of God is moving. So in other words, the power of a spirit-empowered and boldly gospel-proclaiming church is not compromised through some kind of diversion into social works. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's part of the coming of the kingdom of God. The kingdom comes in salvation. The kingdom comes in healing. The kingdom comes in signs and wonders. The kingdom comes in El Musunon, in acts of mercy for the poor, because it's all part of the demonstration of God's grace. And so in a, in, in a society in which, as Christians, we are increasingly marginalized in a secularized society. It is very important that our help for the poor doesn't cause us to be transformed into some kind of social welfare unit, because there's more to it than that. It's part of the bold proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which comes with signs and wonders and power. And it's a demonstration of the love and the grace and the radical difference that it makes in a person's life when they meet with Jesus Christ. So I want to share with you something of, of the work that we, we've been doing. If I, can, we, can we have the, the, the slides there? Um, and so again, I, I really want to say thank you to you. Um, it, it, it has been such an encouragement. I want you to hear this. It's been such an encouragement um, to have individuals and churches stand with us over the last couple of years. We haven't been able to do fundraisers. 
that our shop was closed. Uh, we weren't able to do trips to, 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 to Africa. So many restrictions upon us, but there wasn't a restriction on the heart of God's people. So I want to say thank you so, so much um, for that. If you don't know about Comfort International, we've got a very simple purpose to see uh, the wholeness and purpose and unity restored through the love of Jesus Christ. And we want to rebuild lives that have been devastated uh, by poverty and genocide and conflict. And so we work in Rwanda and Burundi and South Sudan in DR Congo, and also in Uganda. Um, when, when, when COVID first uh, hit us, it also hit the, the nations that we work, we work with. And the big problem amongst the people that we work with was that when society locked down, if you were poor, you didn't have any food in the cupboard, you didn't have any social security system, and the very next day, you didn't have any money either. And so what we found three days after lockdown, we found that we were getting calls from Africa for help because people had not eaten for three days. The lockdown, three days, no food. And so we, 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 we were able, because of the amazing response of God's people to, um, to help, this, this um, provision here is largely for um, widows from the genocide and uh, our partners uh, Good News International, that, that the church has partnered with one of their communities, and Solace International were able uh, to provide so much food to so many people and to make a difference um, for them. So we, we, we were really blessed that our partners were able to do that. And um, this, is, this is lunchtime at the Street Kids Rescue Project, and, um, and uh, we were able to help make sure that the kids didn't go hungry uh, as well. So it was, it was really great to see some kind of uh, response that, that, that manage that. And I, I, I know for certain that there were, there were people um, who were not in our projects, but there was people uh, involved in some of the countries we were at that were, that were dying of hunger because of the lockdown. Um, and and um, we just bless God that we were able to help there. So we were, we were working obviously in Congo as well, um, particularly amongst the teachers because the schools closed down. So the teachers weren't getting any salary. They're, 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 they're pretty poor as, as it is. Um, they, they get round about 35, 40 pounds a month. Um, and, and when that closed down, they didn't get anything. And so we, we have connections with our partners through many of the schools there, uh, through, through the ex-child soldiers. So it, it was really all about getting food to people that were hungry and dealing with the problems there. But one of the great things over the, the last couple of years is that We've been involved for a number of years with, with pastors training with the Comfort International Ministry School. And uh, it was great to see our partners finding innovative ways to keep training people for the work of the gospel. Um, we weren't able to do much in Rwanda because they'd closed down any kind of meetings. Um, in Burundi and Uganda, uh, the closing down of meetings was a wee bit more fluid and uh, the wearing of masks were a little bit more um, by, by, by choice. Um, but it, it's been great to be able to continue. And so we've been able to do uh, online conferences with the pastors. We, we've been able to train them with videos to do the, the, the ministry themselves. And so it's been great to see that, that young uh, people in the ministry have continued to be trained in, in those, those nations. And this is one of our partners, um, Fred. And he says, the reason we need the ministry school in Uganda is that the church in Uganda is still an inch deep because the scriptures have never taken root. 
There's a deficiency of knowledge of the Bible and the faulty application of its teaching is the primary weakness of the church. And the only way lives will be changed in corruption challenges when God's truth takes root. Because there's little sound Bible teaching in the majority of churches in Uganda, African traditional religion still has deep roots and principles of witchcraft and ancestor worship are still practiced among Christians. Islam is on the move, attracting Christians who are looking for financial security and convinced that Islam and Christianity are similar. But because of the training, pastors and other church leaders are being equipped to become more competent and effective in sound biblical preaching and teaching, and the pastor's wives and the female pastors are equipped and encouraged to become competent and effective. So it's, it's great to see the church um, prospering in that way. But just to add to the problems that, that our partners in Congo were experiencing, the local volcano exploded. Um, the, 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 the Virunga Mountains there are volcanic and the Niragongo volcano uh, exploded in the middle of the COVID uh, pandemic. And the, you can see there that it's, that it's not a minor explosion right next to the main city that we work with. What it meant was that people had to, had to escape, they, they, they left, um, and they left with nothing. So once again, the people were left uh, with, with no food and very often with their homes destroyed and their clothes destroyed. And so again, um, we had to have another response to that, uh, mainly, mainly food, but also medicine because the, the water systems were broken. There was a lot of cholera that broke out. There were far more people that died out of the disease after the volcano that died by the actual lava. And so getting medicine uh, to them as well. And also some of the teachers' houses were destroyed by the volcano. So rebuilding some of the houses was, was important as well. And so we, 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 we've been blessed again with being able to, to, to help in those situations. In Congo, just a couple of things that, that um, if you've been following the work you might have seen. Uh, on the left there, there's a rape survivor center such a problem of rape in, in, in Congo. It's endemic uh, in the area. It, it, it's, a, it's a daily hazard uh, for, for the women there. And we were, um, well, we, we were blessed that one of the women that came out uh, to Congo with us and caught a real heart for us, um, she actually left a legacy for us because very sadly she passed away shortly afterwards to build uh, a survivor center for, for the rape. Um, for the rape survivors and, and also um, we were able to build a, a hospital clinic extension. But one of the really encouraging things is to see some of the child soldiers. Now these are young people that were very often kidnapped, 13, 14 year old children from school who were kidnapped and taken off into the rebel armies. And this is, this is a young man called Innocent Jasinga. Um, Innocent was uh, 13 years old when he was kidnapped uh, by one of the rebel groups at school. I don't know if you know 13-year-olds, but you think of their vulnerabilities. A 13-year-old kidnapped from school and taken off and taught to do atrocious things. He says, they made us to be thieves, to rape women, and the worst thing was to have to kill my friend because the chief said he'd been disobedient. Somebody tried to escape and the chief told his friend to kill him. He wouldn't kill him, so he cut off, the chief cut off his friend's hands and turned to innocent and said, now you kill him. And out, out of fear, um, he, he, he had to do that to his friends. So imagine the trauma in, in the poor boy's heart. Um, I got the chance to escape. And when we arrived in Goma, we were street children. 
We heard about Comfort, Comfort Congo and our partner in Congo. We heard about the Rimbula school took refugees and we came to see if it was true and God helped them to take us into the school. And today, um, Innocent has gone through school, he's gone through uh, training and he now works in the ceremonies of marriage feasts and demonstrations because it's a good business. And this is Innocent now um, in his business. And so he's now fully self-sufficient. He's got a photography and a wedding business through the work of the project. And he likes nothing better than to worship with the choir of the rescued child soldiers. So we praise God for that. One of the other um, child soldiers is a boy called uh, Jean Bahati, and he is now the director of nursing at the Comfort Congo Hospital. So he's been through university, he's qualified, and he's now leading the nursing team at the hospital. And it wasn't so long ago that he was a child soldier in the bush, um, killing people. Um, one of our other partners, again, is, is the, the group Africa Hope Initiatives. This is a new uh, group that you may well not have heard about if you've been following uh, the news. But they look after women who have been prostitutes and are trying to escape prostitution, uh, but don't have a means to look after themselves. Many, many of the women are forced into prostitution because they want to feed their children and they can't find any way of getting money. But Africa Hope Initiatives have set up some projects and they call them solidarity groups and they give the women loans. The women set up a small business. They pay back the loan after 16 weeks and they have seen a 100% payback of the loans with a six-fold increase of income generation uh, among those women. So it's great to see those women um, finding uh, a new life like that. Our, our big project for the future is the, the Transformation Centre. We want to build a centre that will take 80 street children and look after them. Uh, there are still many children in the streets of Kigali in Rwanda. So we've got the land, we've got the plans, and uh, we've now got the money to start the first phase of the building. One of the, how am I doing for time, Norman? Am I running out of time? Just a few minutes more. Okay, let me, let me just give you a, a few minutes more. Just to say something about South Sudan. Um, South Sudan was um, officially recognised as the unhappiest country in the world in 2019. Uh, it's a country that has suffered even more recently because of the flooding of the Nile through climate change. The, the Nile systems are, are, are overheating and, and the flooding is increasing and the drought is increasing. Extreme events at either end are increasing. So this is Goomba uh, where we work in South Sudan. Uh, they have had years and years of conflict. Um, they are the children. One of the children from our project has been kidnapped. They've never found them, so the kids are, are living in fear that they will be, be kidnapped. Uh, many of the children very, very poor and many, many orphans. And so that, that is our, our newest street kids' work. Um, and we've got a great team, a very grassroots team there working with uh, the children. Now, I want to finish with Karongi because Karongi is where you're, you're partnering with. And I want to say that you have done absolutely amazing Thank you so much. Thank you so much to the team that has worked so hard on this. And, and within the church, you have raised over £10,000 in two years at Karongi. And what that has meant is it's helped us to purchase more land. You can, now, you can see, can you see this hill? Now, any idea what these are? These are pineapples. 
Okay. Now, we actually went to that hill and tried to weed the pineapples and spent most of our time slipping down the hill and climbing back up again. So they've bought the, the, all this land down, down here. They have bought this flat land now for, for the group at Karinjera, eh, and they're seeing some great harvests. The honey project there is doing really well. Just the other day, I got notice that they'd harvested another 30 kilos eh, of honey. At Gishita, the maize project... Is, is generating a lot of income, feeding a lot of people, um, doing really well. That's a great harvest that they got. Uh, at Mubuga, we've been able to help build a memorial center because the bodies of the genocide victims were just still scattered around in holes in the ground and pit latrines in the area. So th they wanted to comfort the people by building uh, a memorial center for them there. The chicken project, they're now buying the chicken. The vegetable agriculture is doing well. They're thinking about a pig project uh, and they've bought a, a milling machine for the maize flour. In Gishita, they're now building a village of 20 houses which is largely being funded from this church. And those houses are for genocide survivors whose homes have been destroyed or have fallen down or are in disrepair. And so there is a village of 20 houses which is at this very moment in the process of being built with the funding uh, from this church at Sandy Hills. So you will be helping to give 20 families of survivors from the genocide a brand new home. So we bless you so much for that. This is at Bissacero where additionally um, some of the houses were in disrepair but were able to be recovered. And, and redone so we've been able to do that so I need to finish there but uh, I'll leave it on this slide do please uh, pray for the work there are some crafts from Rwanda through in the hall um, if you're interested about Karongi um, th there is a book that I wrote called Unforgotten which tells the story of the community that you partner with so if you are interested in that it's through in the hall as well. And if you want to get involved in a personal way with sponsorship or anything like that, then please speak to me afterwards. Thank you so much.